Yeah. You know, like that's, that's an exciting thing. I get to like, I was always like, oh, I got to get go to work instead of just work on like my comedy stuff. And now it's like, no, I can just sit here at home and work on my comedy stuff. I clearly I'm limited in what I can do show wise, but all the other behind the scenes stuff, like the homework of the comedy world mm -hmm. I'm doing. And I mean, it looks like you're doing the same. I'm trying, man. I've been, uh, I've been writing and, you know, doing some stand up here and there, either on zoom or in outdoors. I did a show, uh, insane at the American comedy company before they moved their stuff mm -hmm. outside. I saw that. Yeah. But I, I didn't mean, see that you did it. I saw that they had, that they did that. Yeah, they had, so they'd been approved by the city to open and do shows indoors. They had a very distant setup and then, uh, they now do them outdoors because mm -hmm. all indoor operations have shut down, but they have this sidewalk space that they're doing it and they're, it's, you know, it's been happening. So hopefully I, uh, yeah, it's great. I actually soon. love that club. It's a great club. They do something I thought every comedy club in America would do. When I first started stand up. if you were to ask me, do you, what do you think the stage setup is for a comedy club? I would say, Oh, it's a microphone and a stool. And there's probably a timer of some sort for me to know where I'm at. Right. Only the American Comedy Club is I've ever seen where there's like a timer on stage. I can look down right and be there. like, oh, I have three minutes left. There's no worry about it. Oh, I wonder if I'm getting the light soon. Do I have time for this bit? Never had to worry about it there. And mm -hmm. I'm like, why doesn't everyone do that? And I'm I like, looked know. it up on Amazon. They're like 25 bucks. It's nothing. It'd be so easy to do because that's the thing. It's like sometimes I'll – be having fun during a set and then I get the light and I'm like, Oh fuck, I have to wrap this up. I have to figure out how to close this thing. Yeah. But seeing that on the stage when I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I know exactly how much time I'm going to, I have left to do this bit. This is going to be easy peasy. I have the anxiety of 100% of the time I'm on stage. I'm just like, even just like, as soon as I grab the mic, I'm like, are they going to let me at 4.30 or am I going to get lit at 5? What's going to happen with the time-wise? Like, I do a bit and then you're like, how much time did that take? You know, like, I'm like always consistently worried about that. And sort of the right. fact that that, it just, it's so think, much so that if I was a headliner, I think I would just order them at the club in advance and be like, hey, just have this ready for me. I think part of it too is like the longer you do stand up, the less time on stage actually feels like. You know, like yeah. when I first was starting out, I would, if I had been offered to do like a seven to 10 minute set, I would have been shitting bricks and feel like it's forever there. Now it's like, oh, seven to 10 minutes, it's nothing. But mm -hmm. then by that too, you know, on the reverse, sometimes if I get the light and it's a one minute light and I don't know that in advance, then I'm going to go mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'll probably, this will, this is like two minutes. And then I wind up going way over because the the bit is not as timed out as I thought it was going to be or something like that. And that's the thing that I'm afraid of. So now I'm always, anytime I go to a club, I'm like very just like, okay, here, this is where I would like my light. Please give it to me mm -hmm. at this time. That way I will know. Okay. Yeah. I got two minutes. I got three minutes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, dude. And at the same time, also when you play around with the crowd, mm -hmm. I'm get, having more fun playing around with the crowd. And like, I don't want to have to sit there and think or worry about those, that other side of it. Cause there's sometimes where like, I'll do it. And then you're like, you get, you know, you get the light and you're like, shit, I only did two bits. My whole goal of the set was to try this other bit. Didn't even get to it. Didn't get to you it. You know, like didn't get to it. Not going to happen. Is that iced coffee? It is iced coffee. Oh dude, bros. Hey, look at that. You got a <laughs> yeah. big mason jar. How much coffee's in there? About two cups worth. 
that is but i also water it down still too much i can't i can't this late in the day i couldn't do that much coffee i drink about a pot of coffee a day that i go through over time okay well, whatever yeah works. i know it's uh i don't know why i do that at this point in quarantine i don't have to be awake tomorrow at any given time i don't have to be alert right now it's a choice mm-hmm. you know just totally what that is um i wanted to talk to you about our flappy days Oh, let's talk about it. And Barbara would be very happy that I used her pun. You know, she's... Sunday, Monday, flappy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, flappy days. I mean, thank God we didn't... I forget if it was Sunday or Monday that was closed when we worked there. They're open Mondays, seven days a week now. Because I remember Mondays was always the day that I would go sign up for potluck. Nice. I... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't a great employee there. Like I lost track of the days... Some days I didn't show up for shifts I had because I just forgot. I don't know if you remember those. That happened like at least four or five times where Will would be like, hey, you coming into work? And I'm like, yeah, tomorrow. You know? Yeah. And he goes, no, today's Thursday. And he went, oh, today's Thursday? I'll be in in a half an hour, Will. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That was what I – Will is such a great manager. He's just so easygoing, the greatest dude. Mm -hmm. Rarely have I had a boss who I've – liked more than will i've had a couple but that's not because will is lower than just because my first two bosses were so fucking good they set the example for everybody Mm. so it's just like imagine like dating a girl for like six years and it was a great relationship you're going to compare every relationship to that therefore after so i do that with my work relationships because i worked there for like five or six years and it was like no no this is what i think a manager employee relationship should be like Oh, okay. And it's not fair. So, like, so I give those two ladies, I give them the credit for all of that. I and still, I compare, I'm, Flappers is one of those places where I worked for, like, the same amount of time almost. Like, I'd come from a completely different place of working at, uh, my, my longest tenure job that I had was working at a summer camp before that. But that's mm. the kind of thing where it's like you're working there for a month out of the year every mm-hmm. year. But it's like eight years that I'm working there, but also it doesn't really count. Like the amount of time that I'm there and on mm-hmm. still doesn't add up to be the same as it would for like a regular day job. Sure. How long were you there? At Flappers? Yeah. I was there about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was, and then you were at the comedy store for how many years? Five. Nice. Just, just Dude, that's a long run, five, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you went for like, oh, yeah, a month to the longest, a year and a half to the longest, to five years. Yeah. You know, like you just keep going longer and longer and longer with these jobs. One day you're going to reach six years at one job, buddy. We're no, going to get well, you one of those work pens. That would be cool. But that's the, the thing now is like the only way that's going to happen is if I wind up stand up is the thing that's like, oh, I've mm-hmm. done that long enough. Or if I work on a television show that gets like six seasons in a movie, if I do some community shit, yeah. then great. I understood the community reference. I know the hashtag, you know, you know, the story circle. Of course. Yeah. When you, you said six, six seasons in a movie, I was like, well, that's strictly a community goal. Like if you were on a TV show for 10 years that didn't have a movie, you're still very happy. Right. Yeah. I don't see why that couldn't be the goal to be on a show that's been on that long, you know, in any capacity. I mean, I worked on stability in Hollywood. That's unheard of. Yeah. 
I mean, I worked on a couple shows that have had me back for a couple seasons, but nice. I also just started getting into TV writing in the past two years. So I'm, I, I'm in a position now where it's like, well, who knows what's going to happen down the line? Will these things go on for another five or six years, or am I going to wind up in something else? But it, it's, it's all stuff that's out of my hands anyway. So any semblance of me trying to predict that, I just sit back to it. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll just, I'll just take it day by day. The, oh, you said so many like therapy and like AA things in that. And you know, that's, you did. I know the it's a 12 step shit, dude. No, but like the, you, we need 12 steps for effing Hollywood stuff. It's not even about being around bars. You know, like the fact that like mm-hmm. all comedy clubs are bars. It's also the fact that it's like, yes, we have to accept these things that are out of our control. You know, right. like there is, the higher power, which would be the execs that allow the shows to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then the producers that are like, do we bring back all of the writing staff or do we keep the, the four we like and just bring in new faces? Right. It's all Although, stuff that like working in a service industry job, like at Flappers, a completely different set of worries. Mm-hmm. I want you to compare your, what it's like to work the door at Flappers versus what it's like to work the door at the comedy store. <sighs> It's night and day. I mean, working the door at Flappers. You just look at me so worried. <laughs> working the door at Flappers, you have so much more actual responsibility in some ways because of the way the system's set up at Flappers hmm. compared to the comedy store. Like, you know, I worked a bunch of different jobs in the comedy store as a door guy, right? Because there's working the different rooms, you have different tasks in each room. And I worked phones there for a number of years and working the phones, you have a different set of jobs that you have to do. But at the end of the day, working the door at the comedy store is pretty simple. You're fielding phone calls, you're showing people where to sit and you're keeping hecklers from heckling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really about it. And at flappers, it's all right. I have to print out these lists and make sure that everybody who's come to the show has their tickets. And did they get the dinner in the mo- in the dinner in the show package? Cause then I have to make sure I give them this piece of paper. Oh, yeah. did they show up at this time? They're a wobbly. That means they get this piece. They sit at this time. Mm-hmm. Do they need to sit in the front row? No, don't push it. It's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but they would like it if you pushed them. Yes. But at the comedy store, it was very much, yeah, the front of the room has to get sat first. Don't take no for an answer. Like you have to, at Flappers, everything could just kind of let slide, but there was also a mm-hmm. lot more to do. Like at the store, we never had a check-in and check-out list of stuff that I had to do every day that I would f- wipe down with a whiteboard uh, yeah. uh, eraser. The store, you just show up, you wear your black shirt, you you know maybe go get high in the parking lot and kick out people who are trying to film somebody on their, uh, somebody doing a set on their phone. Like if Bill Burr or Chappelle drops in, Hey, yeah, I'm, you're not allowed to have your phone. You got to get the fuck out. It, I love it when Rob Schneider dropped in once. Or when Rob Schneider, he didn't drop in, but he did a scheduled show and somebody brought their iPad with them. And I remember when I sat them, I was like, hey, you can't film the show with that. And they were like, of course not. And then when Rob Schneider was about to hit the stage, Will was like, hey, we're going to do a walk through the room and make sure no one's filming when he gets up mm-hmm. there. And sure as shit, that iPad shows up you know, like five and a half inches by like eight inches where right. they just like raise it above their hand as if it's like an applause sign for a TV taping. And I was like, hey, what did I say about that? And they were like, oh, we're not filming. You're like, get it down. Shut the, up. 
I I grew to love because at Flappers I was never really like in the room doing that kind of stuff because I wound up getting mm -hmm. they were like oh he knows how to use computers so they made me box office manager where I'm behind the computer and doing all this stuff so I didn't really see a whole lot of people but that was one of my favorite parts of the job at the comedy store was telling people to put their phones away oh god and I relate because there's a difference mm -hmm. between the person who's like sometimes people are gonna film a comic that they like you know, like Rob Schneider's or whatever. And you tell them, hey, you can't do that. And then they, most of the time will go, oh, I'm sorry, and put it away. But mm -hmm. then if you wind up with somebody on a bringer show who's filming their friend and their attitude is totally different. Like you go up to them and they're like, uh, you're like, hey, sorry, there's no filming in the club. And the, they will turn to you every single time and say, no, it's okay, that's my friend. Mm -hmm. it, who, who fucking cares? Yeah, I don't give a shit. I never. Would I you never... say it like that? Would you? Would you say it like that? Because I said it like that once to a guy, and I thought he was gonna deck me. It was his mom, and he was like, "But that's my mom," and I was like, "I don't care." Yeah, you still can't tape in the club. I would. And he was like, like that. He looked like he was gonna hit me, and then on the other side, of course, he was like, "Well, we're supposed to," and I was like, "Oh, we sell the sets," and he goes, "Oh, you motherfucker," and I was like, "All right, well, it's right here, and it's thirty-five dollars." And I sold him the set and I felt bad about it. And he was go. angry about it. But at the same time, you're also like, but that, that explains the behavior on both sides fully. Mm -hmm. Like I would all, I, I relished telling people they couldn't do stuff because I've, I've ran into this more at the store than at flappers. There's this sort of like Hollywood entitlement energy that came through much more with mm -hmm. people at the comedy store than at flappers. Cause flappers is in Burbank. Flappers is in a suburb. Like Burbank is still, very close to Los Angeles and you still get some of that bleed through. Like I have had my fair share of people at the comedy store who we kicked out of a show for being too drunk. But amazingly enough, none of them ever pulled some shit like what happened to me once at flappers where we kicked a lady out for heckling and being drunk. And uh, it was like a Christmas party show. I don't know if you were working this night, but it was like a Christmas party show that Warner brothers I'm trying to figure this out. It was people from Warner Brothers had come to like watch this show. And we kicked this lady out and she was like, I work in casting at Warner Brothers and I'll make sure you never work in this town ever again. And I was like six months to Los Angeles and I was like, I'm already not working in this town, lady. Can you just fucking please? And she like her friend who was more sober than her left with her and was like, I'm so sorry. And then the, this woman was still yelling at us. It was me and Parker Searfoss, and she was still yelling at us from mm -hmm. the the corner at, <laughs> at the crosswalk because we were just staring at her. We just turned to look. We were like, "Yeah, this." She thinks she has power. Amazingly enough, I had you know I had drunk people I had to kick out of the comedy store, but nobody ever tried to pull that shit. That's the most mm -hmm. Hollywood thing that I think ever happened to me at Flappers. I feel like Flappers was very fake Hollywood. Like I will never forget there was a guy because you know when someone's manager would show up with them we'd ask them for their business card and they would we let them in for free right and there was a guy that was like oh no i managed this guy and the guy i forget the kid's name but he had some like lavish name it was not king bach but his name started with king and he was like 19 years old and his mm -hmm. manager is like 35 or something clearly an older friend but also not old enough to be like a brother or like a dad or anything. right and, uncle. and i was just yeah exactly and he goes i manage him and i was just like okay well we're gonna need to see your card and then we'll let you in. He goes, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then he showed me his driver's license. And I went, no, a business card that says you're a manager in case someone asks to hire him for something. 
you know, like in uh, he was completely perplexed by it. And I was like, we're going to need you to pay. But like, that's the kind of fake Hollywood it was. It was just like mm-hmm. people were like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm the pretend manager for my pretend comedian friend. Right. Yeah. At the comedy store, it was the opposite where it was like the people who were managers or, or reps would get called in advance. But then we would mm-hmm. always have people who showed up. They'd be like, yeah, I'm on the guest list. I'm with mm. such and such person. And then we would check. And sometimes we would go ask the comic, like, hey, did you have this person? Do you know? Yeah. They say they know you. And they'd be like, I have no idea who that person is. And then we go well, up my- and say, hey, nah, you're wrong. Sorry. Yeah. My favorite was getting uh, Barry Katz came in. I, he said he was a manager. I didn't know who he was yet. Mm-hmm. I asked him for his business card. And he goes, I don't have one. Can you just Google me? <laughs> right? And I Google Barry Katz. And there's this picture, and there he is in front of me, and I was just like, "You're in." Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're fine. That's that's the sit. level you should be. Exactly. Can you just Google me? Was the perfect response to it. That was. <laughs> was there a time that you could think of that was just like, what is like your like top flapper story? A top flapper story. Oh God, like that I liked a time, a good time that I like had. <laughs> no, like one of my favorite times at flappers was Martin Harris. I will throw him completely under the bus in this show, by the way, Martin Harris uh, was doing his bringer show. And then of course he was getting obliterated at the bar. Oh, this, I remember this story. This actually is a very good, this is one of my favorite flapper stories too. I don't know if we're even talking about the same story yet. Cause I can think of multiple times he's getting obliterated at the bar. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he was like, you're a comedian, right? And I was like, yes. And he goes, why don't you ever ask to be on my show? And I was like, because I've seen your shows, Martin. Why would I want to do that? Right. right. And he was just like, for the minutes. And I was like, I've seen the way you also handle your comedians. I have no interest. And then he walked out of the club about 15 minutes later and fell backwards on his head. Yeah. No, this is the same story. Because <laughs> I remember yeah. this was at the open mic. And he, yeah. was, at the, he was at the bar open mic. He, he, he was heckling open micers yes sitting yes and just like sitting at the bar and then he went on stage and ate shit for three minutes solid bomb then he stormed out of the club in a a rage and then he fell backwards and hit his head and came back i was working the yuhu room (laughs) yeah no i was working the yuhu room and um you were working the main room you got to see him bomb i didn't even get to see the bomb i saw him oh yeah shit and I like walked over him to be like, hey, do you need anything, Martin? And he was like, oh, and then I was like, Ugh. and I, I got Will on it. You know, you're like, Will, right. Martin fell in front of the club. He's bleeding. Yeah, because I do like, there was some blood. I didn't realize it was going to keep bleeding because it kept bleeding. He was mm-hmm. drunk. Yeah, I remember th- there was a lot of, there was, there's a lot of blood coming out of the head, but it was the kind of thing where you like, you see it happen and you're like, typical like you're surprised it hadn't happened sooner than that and then i do remember the craziest thing was he was so he was always very rude to uh to to whoever was working the box office or the door and just in in the like a very curt brusque way like he was going very um you know he'd talk really fast or he'd like always demand to see the numbers and that kind of stuff i always took it out to be that he would lie to whoever the comic he was talking to and then take it out on us so they could see it so it can make him look better yeah like 
But then so after, under the bus. But after that incident happened where he fell and hit his head, he was nice to us. And I was like, oh, he finally saw the error of his ways. Oh, he's so great. This is great. And that lasted for like two weeks. And then he just went right back to being <laughs> shitty, <laughs> shitty Martin Harris. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, I mean, he doesn't do those shows anymore, so thank God. No. He moved to the I comedy know. store after I after I started doing shows there, and then he got banned from the comedy store. No, what got him banned from the comedy store? He wasn't be he wasn't banned, just to clarify, he wasn't banned from like performing, but he stopped doing he was not allowed to continue to do shows there. Um because That's not he like he puts it, but go ahead. Right. Like this. Because he didn't uh, from what I understand, it was a disagreement that happened between him and Adam about letting comics from the club, like development comics on the show. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't like that? He, uh, Martin did not like that. Like yeah. him and Adam had a disagreement about what happened there from my understanding. Okay. It might, and honestly, it might not have even been, it might have been him in management. It might've been one of the other managers um, but yeah, there was some, there's some shit going on between him and management about what was going on with him allowing the development spots to do their spots that they'd been scheduled for on the show. For anybody who's not in on this, their comedy store has development comedians that names aren't on the wall yet, but they're one step away and they really get to, they come in a couple times a week. Adam gives them a spot. They go on a lot of belly room shows and like yeah. the main room bringer stuff. And it is through and through absolutely every show puts these people on. It's guaranteed. Every. Yeah, because and you have to. single show. 100% of the ones will have, I want to say it's like three to five, depending on whatever Adam has going on. No, it's usually two. Sometimes in the oh, main room. Okay. Yeah, two for the original room and the belly room. Sometimes the main room will have three, but it's pretty rare. And then now on the book shows at the comedy store, they always have the opening spot is done by a door guy now. Mm-hmm. So Which I love that. When we first started right. doing comedy, like even before you got in at the comedy store, it felt like the door guy was this weird limbo position. Mm-hmm. You were kind of let into this club, but there wasn't much more than being let into the club. And then all right. of a sudden I started seeing door guys getting spots every night. Every night there's mm-hmm. a door guy that goes on in the OR and then the door guys are all getting some developmental spots, and some opening spots of these other shows. And when that happened, my mind was like, finally, some justice for these door guys. Right. Not that I was ever in on that, but it was also just like, yes, this is what makes it worth it. Right. That was the thing. It's, it, it, when I got my job as the door guy there, it seemed to be right as the tide was turning for the club. But Wait, well, you were hired I, by Tommy, right? I was Tommy's last hire. Yeah, exactly. I, he hired me in May. And then he got fired in August of, uh, of that year, 2014, I think. How yeah. fast after Tommy was fired could you feel the difference in the club? Oh, it was very quick. Um, yeah. I, it, it, I remember because I, I have nothing really bad to say about Tommy because I just didn't really interact with him all that much. And, yeah. all, and for the most part, my interactions with him were positive. Like he hired me. I had heard tons of stories, though, from other door guys who'd been around there longer or comics who'd been around there longer. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he was gone, it did feel like there was something had lifted, like there was a shift. And then, of course, 
stuff with Roast Battle happened where like Joe Rogan came back and Joey Diaz came yeah. back and Roast Battle was starting to become this huge big thing. And and then the club blew up and we entered yeah. this second golden age. Yeah, for sure. And I was just kind of there for it. It was a very surreal time given that like I had been working at Flappers previously and Flappers was the kind of club where it's like, okay, we had to fight at a certain point for us to be allowed to do pop-in spots on the open mic. Like they tried to take that away because they were, they found out that the hosts were just doing that on the sly. Like that was me. I was that host. Remember? Cause they took it away from me for a bit. Yeah. They wouldn't let me host anymore because I was letting the employees get pop-in spots. But then it was only like a week, a week later, Will was like, we found out everybody was doing that. So like, it was just became an unwritten rule. We didn't, mm-hmm. but the people that complained about it said that you were the only one doing that. And you're like, all right, that's fine. I was just doing what right. I thought was the norm. Uh, I wouldn't give Tommy the full credit of like, I think roast battle was going to happen with or without Tommy because it was oh, blown yeah. up on its own. But Tommy was the reason that Joe and, uh, and Joey Diaz were staying away from the store. Right. Because they had the, he was the one that was managing during the Carlos Mazia thing. So I will say, yeah, those two things happening at the same time sort of caused that flourish that you got to be right. front and well, for. Rogan came back. The first night he came back was on a roast battle night. And he watched oh. the show. Because mm-hmm. Ari was taping his special there the next day. And he wanted to come through and check out the club. To, to, because he hadn't been back there in seven years. And he came on roast battle and he watched roast battle. Were you on that night? I was not performing that night. I was there that night, though. I mean, that was at the point where I'd been, like, going to Roast Battle every single Tuesday for God knows how long. Like, I was working there by then. Roast Battle was certainly my foot in the door at the comedy store, more so than Potluck or um, Kill Tony were. I would say that's true for a lot of people over the last five years. Yeah. Not everybody, but there's a lot. I would say it's been more – the door's – why they're open at roast battle than it is for other things. Well, that's the thing too, is like roast battle sort of exists outside of the store's development system in a big way. Cause roast battle is a show that stands on its own and mm-hmm. people can come do it whenever they want. Basically like you don't have to have any sort of chops or credits or whatever to do the roast battle. You just have to literally just say, Hey, I want to battle. I want to battle this person. And then you do it and you show up and hopefully you do a good job. But the, like the development system, there are comics who, who do the roast battle and, and we're doing very well at roast battle. You know, when the ranks were going on and we're on TV for it, still not in development of the store. Maybe we'll never be in development of the store under Adam or under anybody who knows, but it became its own thing. Like roast battle became such a, uh, an iconic part of the comedy store that it, uh, you can't really like, you could be a store person and a roast battle person, or you could be one of the two. You might not, you might not be both, but it would give you a certainly yeah. like if you're out, if you're doing roast battle, then it certainly gives you a, a, a different way in. Then yeah, it gives you a visibility the other stuff. for sure. Exactly. Without a doubt, there's that. Um, I want to ask out of my own, this is for me. Is uh-huh. there such thing as hanging out too much at the comedy store? Yes, there is such a thing as hanging out too much at the comedy store. How does one get that good balance? 
I don't know the difference between too much and not enough. Just like I don't drink very much at all because I don't know how to stop till I'm drunk. Right. So it's like the same yeah. thing like with comedy store hangouts. I think the comedy store is a place and, and I can only say this now having found a better balance over the course of not working there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. The comedy store is the kind of place that you should go hang out at when it's a great clubhouse, you know, like if you know comics are on mm-hmm. a show that you like there, or if you're other, if you have other friends who are comics who are hanging out there, it's a great place to go hang out for a couple hours. You know, it's a fun, it's a fun spot. You can hang out at the bar, you can check out a show, you can chill in the parking lot, you can go smoke in the back, whatever. It's a great hang, but you should not let hanging at the comedy store get in the way of your ability to develop as a comedian. Like there are a lot of comics who are at a certain level where they hang out so much at the comedy store and don't go up to other open mics or try and do other shows. They're just hanging out at the store. And unless you, unless you have broadened your horizons, I don't think that being somebody who's just like at one place all the time, unless you're an employee there or if you have something else going on, like it doesn't make sense. Like if I worked at the comedy store, you know, I was at the comedy store almost every night when I was working there. I worked there. I was there four nights a week, maybe five nights a week. Of course it makes sense for me to be there. But now that I'm not working there anymore, you know, we're speaking in in Mm -hmm. pre COVID terms. I'm going there a couple nights a week, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to go hang out all the fucking time there. Like I love the comedy store. I consider it my home club, but it's mm-hmm. also, there's a lot, there's a lot of comedy out there. And yeah. I think the task of the comic is to go and find how to be funny and hanging out at the comedy store gives you one facet of that. You know, even the like, the comics that you would associate the most with the comedy store, I would say, especially over the past few years, mm-hmm. they're not at the comedy store all the time. Comedy stores are a great hang, and they're probably going to hang out at the comedy store longer than, than they will at other clubs, but they're not there all the time. They're going out and doing spots elsewhere because yeah. comedy store, as great as it is, it's still not the end-all, be-all. Yeah, I'll take that answer. Thank you. That's a good one. There you go. Um, I know my, my podcast is short, you know, like it's about 30 to 40 minutes. And so we're I like, we're it. wrapping up already. We're already oh, wrapping great. up, but, but I would, we brought you on specifically to talk about a thing we have not touched down upon. We haven't at touched all, it yet. Mm-mm. Which is you have an album. Is it out already? When does it come out? Uh, this album comes out officially on August 14th. It's nice. uh, it's out exclusively on Pandora right now. You can mm-hmm. go listen to it. Uh, at uh, Pandora. It's called Good Guy with a Gun. There's pre-order links. I got them all over my social media, at Diet J on Twitter and Instagram. JLightComedy.com is my website. It's got all those links there to go listen to this new album. And uh, you can pre-order it right now if you're, the, if you're the owning things type of person. And on the 14th, it'll also be available everywhere beyond just Pandora. Um, but, you know, it's exclusive to Pandora right now. You'll be able to hear it on Pandora and SiriusXM on all the comedy channels. And uh, I'm really, really proud of this album. It's, it's Hell yeah, dude. been a long time coming, and I'm very happy that it's finally out. 
Well, yeah, what are you, like 12 years in to comedy? It'll be 10 years this fall, this October. Yeah, totally. And then where, where did you record it? I recorded How did you it. this club? So I did a few different recordings, actually, because there's a stand-up portion that I recorded at the Pack Theater. Uh, there is a roast battle on there that I recorded at the Comedy Store during roast battle. Which roast and battle? Me versus Nicole Buchanan. Nice. Only available she's on this great. album. She's great. She's a good, she's a friend, uh, a really good writer, an excellent roaster. We've worked together on TV shows and, and at the store in roast battle and stuff. She's so fucking funny and it's a really great battle. And um, then there's some sketches that I recorded also at the, uh, the comedy store and at some other places. Album is produced by coach T who's the DJ for roast battle. And you know, it's a big, it's this whole th undertaking. Cause like when I put the album out, when I was putting it together, at least I didn't want to do something that was just like another white guy telling jokes. So mm -hmm. I wanted to make something that felt like a whole experience, you know, one of yeah, my, that's um, great. I had no idea about these other things, Yeah, but I think you putting a roast battle on there is fucking brilliant. You know, like, cause mm -hmm. like you shine in those and why not? And people are going to come for that sort of thing. And also it's like, it just separates the sets. And then I had no idea you put the sketches in also brilliant. So you have like different gears that are happening in this thing. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's like nice. I've had a lot of people because Coach T produced it. He did beats and musical interludes and stuff. Well, you know, I one of my favorite albums was uh, Bill Hicks's Rant Knee Minor, which has a lot of mm -hmm. musical interludes and stuff in there. And I remember telling him, I was like, I kind of want to have that sort of a feel to it too, where there's like stuff that's yeah. not just the stand up. And I've had so many people text me just about the first track, which is this sketch that's mixed in with these beats and these samples that coach pulled together and it just like it goes hard and yeah. i'm it, coach it's, T, by the way if you're unfamiliar is a genius so fucking brilliant yeah grammy nominee i'm lucky that i can that you know coach worked with me and is a friend and it's it, it's yeah. just i'm really happy with what we were able to put together for this album it's a it was a long production process and the results i think are undeniably very very good and i can't wait for you to listen to it i can't wait to hear it i'm like super excited about it now like i don't mean to get all jimmy fallon on this show <laughs> which i haven't been jimmy fallon on this show the entire time i think i'm like 45 episodes in this is the first i'm getting jimmy fallon on it but i'm excited like when you said coach team like my ear, ears perked up and then you threw in all these other ingredients and i was like i have to hear this um so if you're hearing this the day it comes out it's pandora only but if you're hearing it even a week later but bam, it's yeah. everywhere. And the links that I've Good got Good Guy up, with a Gun. They're out. It's, it's got a, it'll link to wherever it's available. So Good Guy with a Gun, at Diet J on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you'll find the most up-to-date links for, uh, for the album. Check it out. Perfect. And would you like to compliment me on the end of the show? I really like your haircut. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's working for you. I love Jay Light. Jay Light and I met like eight, nine years ago. We both worked the doors at Flappers. Uh, he was a way better door guy than I was. I'll put that right out there. He's a better employee. He listens better. He takes direction better. You know, I don't recall him ever arguing after getting simple direction. I did. You know? <laughs>
which, by the way, if you guys want to hire me to work the door, you guys can go ahead and uh, email me or directly DM me and then go ahead and hire Jay Light. That's the way that will work out. Uh, that's the smarter thing to do, to tell you the honest to God truth. I was more known to being the guy that hung out only at the Yoohoo room. Jay was the guy that took care of the main room. And he was uh, just so much more professional. He just is more professional. Uh, known him forever, love him. Super proud that he has this album out. He's been doing this a long time. Check out the album. I personally, this is not the way you're supposed to promote your friend's album. I'm supposed to be like, I bought it. I'm waiting for it on Spotify. <laughs> but uh, but if Jay's listening, I bought it. You know, like that's that's what Aaron's doing. Aaron's buying people's albums. Uh, and if uh, Stu's listening, I bought his too. Yes. Yeah, I bought both of them. I bought both like you should. I bought both of them like you should. And uh, that's the J-Light thing. Guys, how exciting and cool does that album sound? It actually does sound cool. I know I Jimmy Fallon during the show. I'm Jimmy Falloning during the outro. That's what I'm doing. Uh, but just excited. Excited to see my friends do big things. Uh, Friday, I know that last Friday we weren't able to get our computers crashed. We weren't able to get the episode out on Friday. I'm sorry. The episode that was supposed to come out last Friday is now this Friday's episode. Danny Gabe, a man I went to high school with, a guy, as I mentioned in the show, he was like a brother when I didn't have brothers. I know I physically had brothers, but in a time when we were emotionally distant, I used him as a brotherly, loving friend relationship sort of thing. Uh, did that sound too sexual? I don't know. I don't care. You know, like, you're going to hear the episode on Friday. And it, I know, like, I have a couple episodes that are really personal and narcissistic. I promise you, Fridays is the most narcissistic and the most personal I'll have gotten on all of these things. By the way, check out at Jay Light, at Diet J for his things. Sorry I didn't say that earlier, Jay. I'm sorry. Also, uh, he's got a podcast called Blockbusted where he talks about popular movies that people hate. If you hate the Goonies, he's got a comic that also hates the Goonies, and they get that stupid Goonies movie. I hate the Goonies. All right, so anyways, they've already done a Goonies episode. This isn't me pitching me being on the show, but I'm going to just start all this other popular movies I don't like that people like. I'll do that all day. You know, like, I hate Princess Bride. That's not true. I actually love Princess Bride, but I don't know if Jay had an episode about that or not, so I just thought I would do that and try to get me on that show a little bit. Guys, rate, review, subscribe to me, at Aaron and Marsh on everything, and my Venmo, it works. People tested it. It works. Accepts money right now. Jay Light's album doesn't come out for another week. Aaron's Venmo open right now. Remember that. Guys, thank you very much for listening to me, and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong I find a place in this world I'll never be long I've got to be me